I don't think you can legally call them a sensation. Their next record is better. <laughs> Their next record is better. I agree. I've listened to it. Was I supposed to listen to the second album, too? No, I just messed up. Uh, does any of you had any prior experience with Lelix? I don't think so. This music sounds very similar to stuff that I listened to when I was ten, though, so it's like... I mean, there could have been some lyrics in there. I don't know. It, it, it is, in fact, some Disney Channel ass music. <laughs> yes, truly. It's a good description. Okay, so why are we talking about this? Because they charted and they're on our spreadsheet. Uh, and it's fun. It's an, and it's fun. And uh, we love fun. It's about fun. It's about ass. It's about everything in between. How does the song go? It's about no, that's ass. about it's it. It's about fun. It's about... Da, da, da. It's about life. It's about fun. It's over before it has begun. As a trans woman, I relate very deeply to that final lyric. Okay, so we have a lot of story to go through. Turns out, this record is not a particularly good or interesting record, but wow, there is, like, background regarding this bunch of people. It's, um, it's, a, whole, uh, it's a whole record industry horror story. So, Sybil, I provided mm -hmm. you the notes. Would you do the honor and start getting into it? You've got it. Lilix 
We're going to say is, even though I'm not sure if that's correct, a pop rock band from the icy lands of Canada, specifically Cranbrook, British Columbia. Why don't you think that's correct? <laughs> I, I, I think was is the proper term. That's why I'm well, saying. They, they still have an active Instagram, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if there's a band anymore. Lilix might just be sentient NFTs. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the state of this group, but we'll get there. So, the group forms in 1997 in high school, initially named Tiger Lily. Early members have guitar player Tasha Ray Evan, keyboard player Lacey Lee Evan, some relation. Their sister. Yeah, I was debating whether I should make the joke of no relation, but it's like, no, they're, they're related. <laughs> they're, they're literally sisters. Bassist Louise Burns and drummer Sierra Hills. A rejected name for the band was the most Canadian names in the world because, good God, Sierra Hills? I mean, also, like, the, the double names, like Tasha Ray Evan, that's incredibly Canadian. Could also be from Arkansas. I don't know what that is. Arkansas, it was a joke. I also don't know what that is. It's a state. Sure. Sure, why not? Everyone can be a state nowadays. Look at these woke moralists adding more states to our flag. There's only 50 stars. No, no, no more. No more Jordan Peterson, please. Okay, cut that. That that meme is wonderful, but uh, it's been memed to hell. Speaking of hell, it's the 2000s, and here are a bunch of girls between the ages of 14 and 16, and they start working on a demo before a large series of fortuitous coincidences end up putting them on Madonna's Maverick Records. In the words of Louise Burns, It took about four or five years to get to a demo. We had this guy in Cranbook who approached us and offered to get us a record deal if we paid him 20k. And my dad asked a lawyer, who we found in the SoCan directory, and that lawyer was Jonathan Simkin, the founder of 604 Records, Light Organ Records, and Simkin Artist Management. He told us not to sign and ask to hear our demo, because he thought it would be hilarious to hear music by 13-year-old girls from Cranbrook, British Columbia. But he thought it was really good and shopped us a deal. Maverick responded and flew us down to L.A., and they signed us the same day they saw us play. So they head down to L.A., meet Madonna, move to the city, start work on a full LP, get their name changed to Lilix because there was already a band named Tiger Lily, and by this point there was also the Natalie Merchant album Tiger Lily, would have made it hard. And then some of them get sent to weight loss camp before the album was released because, um, yeah. The music industry is fucked up. I was going to say they had to bleed the maple syrup out of them, but that works too. I mean, that I, uh, yeah, I got the joke, but that is actually like, wow, that's fucked up. That's a fucked up thing to do to like a 14 year old. Like, Look, I was, I was trying to put a little bit of comedy on an incredibly dark no, subject. No, no comedy. It's fucked up. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the WWE part yet. So the band wrote most of their music on that initial demo, but according to Louise Burns, none of them were really happy with the label going, we need four Avril Lavines. So that wasn't really what they were doing, and by the end of this first recording, they're already quite jaded with the music industry, which does happen when you tell 15-year-olds they're too fat to release a record. In general, there is a long Vice interview with Burns, which will be linked in the show notes, which 
lays out a lot of music industry horror shows, including quotes like one of the producers telling the singer she's the only member of the band that matters and everyone needs to do what she says. That's a completely healthy thing to say to a 15-year-old kid. That's a completely healthy thing to say to anyone. Fair, but like, you know, it's worse when you say it to a kid. In Spinal Tap fashion, Hills leaves in 2002 and is replaced by Kim Erhan, and then later by Alicia Warrington, who will eventually become NXT ring announcer Alicia Taylor. Uh So, you know, good on you, I guess. You're employed. (laughs) Or were employed. Most of the people, most of the people that were involved in this band are to today employed, which is honestly pretty good. <laughs> I, I can't guarantee she's still employed given the state of WWE right now, but yeah, you know, good on her getting uh, paid. I mean, I'm not watching NXT, so I'm not sure if she's still the, the announcer there, but she was as of uh, nine, uh, 2019. Uh, there's very little documentation about when the member changes in the band happened, probably because... After this album, they immediately fall off of everyone's radar, and the label stops caring, and there are less press releases, and yeah. Uh, Before we get to the aftermath, we will give one more quote from the Vice interview with Burns. And then The Matrix was just three very nice people who lived in Brentwood with this studio mansion, and they invited us to write a song. Everything was all breezy, but then we get the track back and it's been auto-tuned, it's not us playing the instruments, they'd replaced everything. But at the time, it's quite hard to say, we wanted to be on the radio. We weren't trying to make an honest indie rock record. So, now I get it, but back in the day it was quite painful for us to be considered so... inexplicable and replaceable to our music. Either way, it was a huge learning experience. I'm old enough now where I can let go of that bitterness I felt for such a long time. Again. The music industry is fucked up. This album, Falling Uphill, was released in Canada and the United States. It was allowed to cross the border on the 27th of May, 2003, and came out in Japan on August 27th, with one additional track that none of us listened to. It's About Time was released as the band's first single in the spring of 2003, and reached number 33 on the mainstream Top 40 airplay chart. It was followed that fall by Tomorrow, a cover of SR-71, which did not no, enter the- No, 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 no one is covering SR-71, uh, Sybil. SR-71 is covering SR-71. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes they are, yes they are. That's the state of SR-71. <laughs> yes. But no, the Tomorrow is a different single, uh, it did not enter the pop chart, but it did hit 48 on the Radio and Records Top 50. So it was getting airplay. Falling Uphill also features a terrible cover of What I Like About You by The Romantics, which features on the Freaky Friday soundtrack and I believe was used as the theme song to a CW comedy of the same name. Huh. I wasn't aware of that. You can tell us more about that when we get there. Uh... It was a, I believe, one-season comedy show, but I did remember reading that last week. Okay. Do we want to go into the record and make it this very quick, because this record is not particularly interesting, and then talk about the aftermath of this record? Because this is the last time we will see uh, Lilix. Tragic. (laughs) We have a whole aftermath for them. Okay. 
was just another day, another way to spend my day, all by myself. Staring at the TV screen, flipping through my magazine, everything is unclear. I need you here, do Anyhow, we start with tomorrow. This opens like a Liz Fair album. Oh, I I wrote down Beatles intro. This was this... like this is like a magical mystery tour opening for no reason because it does not fit with any of the rest of the production. But it's like, oh, we're going to listen to one of the Bad Oasis songs. Now, nah, to me, this just sounds like uh, a B tier Liz Fair single. Okay, I'm mostly talking about the, um, I don't know, the string instrument at the beginning? Which is, like, very magical mystery tour. We mentioned they wanted them to sound like Avril Lavigne, and there are places where that comparison will fit, but let's be real. If we just put in a... Half of these songs could be replaced onto that first Avril album without you noticing. Yeah, probably. (laughs) And they're also just, like, generic woman's product ad. Like, I, I I, do this comparison a lot when we talk about this kind of 90s pop, but this is a tampon ad. <laughs> this is the music you get on a tampon ad when you see people, like, smiling and doing jogging and, like... Really? Yeah. I completely disagree. I don't know. I'm talking to tamponas that you get in Italy, so that it might not be oh, accurate okay. with tamponas that you get in America. Maybe there's a cultural barrier there. Like, it's either a tamponade or, like, an ad for yogurt or something like that. That's the kind of music you get on huh, the Okay, so Italian yogurt and tampon ads, I see. I've definitely seen the tampon ads where they spill yogurt on it and go, look, it's absorbing. <laughs> God. No, this is... We're not to the point where I had to start making a game up about how to do this album, but this is very generic. It's not even putting the punk in pop punk. It's, it's not It's not pop punk. It's like a pop rock. It's like um, a very, very Ashley Simpson, very Avril Lavigne. It's pop. It's pop. It's not even dirty pop, like I think used to sing. It's just pop. We did, we did sort of the boy band podcast when in 10 years we'll be done with this. Oh, if we start doing the boy band stuff, I'm definitely taking you on Justin Timberlake's white guy rapper period, where he was the one saying slurs on tracks with Snoop Dogg. That's still one of the funniest things to me. Sure, why not? Oh, dear. Yeah, where Snoop's just doing his Snoop rapping, and then meanwhile, Justin Timberlake is going... Words I'm not gonna repeat. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! It's oh no! I remember going home from classes to that album, and a buddy of mine was giving me a ride, and he was a little Mexican dude, and I was still as white as I am. And he's like, "This is the part where you're supposed to sing along. Come on, roll down the window and do it. And it would just be a game of chicken. <laughs> white boy slur chicken." Oh well, we got an episode name. Um, 
<laughs> oh dear. Have you seen the video for this? No. Oh, they're 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 all very depressed. This is the, this is the room that they're put in in Bratz when they're all in detention. In what? In Bratz, the movie. What? Yeah. Based on the dolls. The, 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 based on the, why do you uh, why 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 do you do that? Why do you ref? Why are you aware of that? Because of Bratman. <laughs> what? Are you aware of who Doc Future is? No. No. Okay, so I was following you the whole way. I was like, yep, okay, brats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then you said that, and I was like, all right, you lost me. <laughs> okay, Doc Future is a dude who's very good at video shitposting. And at one point, like, when this movie was contemporary, he did a video that was simply called Bratman. And he's redubbing an entire scene of all four of the brats in detention screaming at each other from the middle of the movie. But he's doing it in the Christian Bale Batman voice. And it takes what's already an overdramatic <laughs> scene to these new heights. At least you have a father. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. No, no, it's true. That, that, okay, you're excused. It's incredibly good, and that scene is something I still put on regularly whenever I just need to laugh. So it's, they're all depressed. They're all depressed. Uh, they're teasing, showing the boobs of the drummer for like two minutes because she's in the in the bathroom. Yeah, the drummer is getting the most attention from the camera because she's almost naked, of course. Which she wasn't even eighteen at this point, I believe. Uh, gross. And then they're all happy because a man came in the room. Not literally came in the room, but you know, entered the room. No, I just watched the pillow bukake scene. <laughs> Please. Don't fiddle. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that's the end. Because that what we all need uh, is men. And that's why we have Adam on this podcast. You're welcome. Here's the thing that gets me. It's that this starts out in what looks like a classroom and slowly we reveal this is an older Victorian style mansion. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then we're just doing shots in the parlor and they're playing in the foyer and they keep jumping up and down on a couch in a dark room. A lot of a lot of choices were made here that if this were modern day I would say this is algorithmically generated, but I really wonder what <laughs> happened in the 2000s. Uh, many things happened in the 2000s. My question is why were the brats in detention in a Victorian mansion? Hmm. Oh, that's because they were all uh, getting into a fight because they joined different cliques and stopped being friends with each other, and then they turned on one another in the schoolyard. Uh huh. And the principal and just sent just them all chose to detention. To be, yep. I see. In the Victorian mansion, as you do. Anything else that y'all want to say about this song? No, I don't have much about this first track. We'll start getting somewhere. Uh, the lyrics are pretty bad. It's very. I'm a teenage girl. I will do girl things. They were 15 when they wrote this. Like, I agree. I agree, but they were 15. I just cut them some... I feel bad about ripping on this record because it's like... They I were mean, literally teenagers. <laughs> that's the thing, is that it's like, okay, they're teenagers writing about teenager things, not, you know, people in their 30s writing about teenager things trying to appeal to the teenagers. Yeah, it's fun when we make fun of a simple plan because they are... Uh, Old. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but also 
they did mention that they were given writing assistance on some of these and didn't do their own tracks. I don't know if this would have been one of theirs. The chorus is atrocious. Mm-hmm. I gotta wake up, make up my makeup. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. need to wake up, put on my makeup, pick up the phone. Give me some takeout, stand inside a crowd, I want to scream aloud. To be honest, if I didn't know they were 15 years old writing this, this is writing about, um, I would have thought it was writing about having uh, a call center job. Gotta wake up, my makeup, gotta pick up a phone, I want to scream, because this is painful and awful. I, I, I did not enjoy the call center job that I did for like a year. Nobody enjoys call center jobs. That's why they have such ludicrous turnover. Shall we talk about uh, quicksand? Okay, I thought there was going to be a lot more of it when I grew up because cartoons made me think about me it. Now too. all I see it as is the fetish for weird people. <laughs> well, I didn't think about that part, but now you might have a point. That's literally all I interact with quicksand in my adult life is people who want quicksand videos or damsel in distress content. Okay, uh, Sable, but do you realize that you interact with a way higher percentage of fetishes than most other people in this world. I guarantee you, with a 80% possibility, all anyone who is not living in a jungle deals with quicksand in their daily lives is occasionally knowing that one of their co-workers is watching that scene from the Jungle Book a little too hard. Let's not talk about that. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about the song. This feels like Fastball's The Way, musically. This is, I, it, this feels like a song that's trying to be bad, but doesn't quite get there because it doesn't have the bad guitars. So it's like bat rock singing over some honestly dreadful pop production. I don't even mind the like melodic songwriting of this. I think it has a bit of an edge. It has a bit of like a gritty chorus with that sort of kind of... Uh, second Britney Spears record kind of composition, where it's like it's pop, but it's also a bit dissonant. But I just hate the production in this. I'll be honest, I just hate the production in this. It's just... It's just bad. It doesn't... It doesn't, it doesn't bat enough for the what the song would need. It's hard to discuss the production on a lot of these tracks because of the fact that... In most cases, it's going for the least offensive pop sound possible, but there will occasionally be a very baffling decision that makes it through that needs calling out. This, on the other hand, just sounds like it's trying to be a late 90s single. And this is where the first version of what I call Make the Song Play It Twice starts happening, where 
they write a two-minute track, and then it's extended out to 3.30 or beyond, because we basically just repeat the first half over with no real instrumentation change. Yeah, this record is very long for no reason. A lot of the tracks are very long for no reason. Also, I don't know, the, the, the bridge on the song just annoys me. I, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing ever, but it's such an obvious bridge. Like, it doesn't go out of its way to do anything interesting. I don't know. Again, I feel bad ripping on a lot of this stuff, but it's not a, it's not a particularly good song. Look, I do like the melody on it. You're ripping on executives, not girls. Yeah, yeah. And actually, like, if they wrote the melody, like, good job. That's, uh, that's a solid, uh, it's a solid sort of, like, Christina Aguilera slash Britney Spears sort of like edgy pop chorus. But everything else in the song just doesn't work for me. Like, here's our stance on a lot of this record, unless spoken otherwise. This is great for teenage girls who made a demo. This is terrible for adults in a room to put this out as a product that should be under someone's name. Oh, my stance on this is if I was like 15 and I was aware of this record, I would have liked it more than Avril Lavigne. Okay. I think... I think, uh, especially at least if we compare it to the previous Avril Lavigne record that we did, I think Avril Lavigne gets better. Um, this feels like a edgier and more accomplished version of that first Avril Lavigne record, which doesn't necessarily make it good for an adult. But I don't think this is. I, I think this would be listenable if I was a teen and I, you know, and I was into that kind of music. Hmm. Adam, our resident teen, what do you think about this song? So. All of my notes are on the other record because I didn't realize I was listening to the wrong one until, uh, what was it, 920 this morning? Okay, um, okay. And I was babysitting, so, you know. But uh, I also think that if I had heard this record when I was actually a teenager, <laughs> um, that I probably would have loved it. And this song in particular is pretty good, I think. Next up, it's about time. It's about time. It's about fun. I hate you, I love you, I just can't remember to forget you. Who are you? Who needs you? You make me feel alive. It's about time. It's about life. It's about round and down to down. That that thing sticks in your head, partly because it's basically "Welcome to My Life" by Simple Plan, but it still sticks into your head. Anyhow, it's about life. It's about us. It's about life. It's about fun. It's about fun. It's about us. <laughs> Uh, this is my review of the song, just me singing badly, not remembering any of the lyrics. <laughs> Alright, this is the first song on which I played a game with myself, which is how many times do they repeat line? 
how many individually distinct lines are in this song? Uh, it turns out this one is under 12. There's a video for this record. Yep. There's a video for this track. It is very Avril Lavigne because it features some shots that are taken directly from her videos in places. Like the getting out of the car. Also, why it was 2003? Why does this video look extremely 90s to me? Why do I look at the video quality and uh, the colors and it's like, this is from the 90s? Uh, Canada is always five years behind. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, they're playing Pac-Man on a jukebox in this video. At least the editing makes it look like they're doing that. Um, uh, I, I, I don't have much to say. Uh, the stage direction for Louise Burns seems to be, you really should look like you want, don't want to be here. She looks incredibly bored throughout the whole red, the whole video. Um, and yeah, and this is like an Avril Lavigne song. And there's a bluesy guitar in points for some reason. It's, it's about us. It's about fun. It's about... <laughs> this is the kind of track where if you try to diagram the lyrics, you will discover that it's a bunch of corporate nothing speak. Mm-hmm. It's about synergy. It's about going back to the office. One of these days it all comes together. One of those days that goes on forever. Think I sound crazy, maybe whatever. What's it all about? None of those things really go together. It's about fun. It's about us. It's about and that's what happens every time you have one of these lines. Like, okay, cool, great. I'm honest to myself that the truth is I lied. All right, sure. My new rules is whenever I start thinking, I remind myself that I should not be thinking and I should sing the chorus of the song. <laughs> whenever a thought starts popping into my head, I just go, it's about us, it's about fun, it's about... There you go, you are listening to the bimbofication of Ellie in real time. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Please, no. I'm already... <laughs> My brain is already devastated by trauma. I don't need more. I don't need it to get worse. <laughs> Anyhow, Ada, do you have anything on this one? Definitely sounds like music I would expect to hear on the radio when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um... It's acceptable for radio music. Fair enough. You would have probably heard it on the radio if you were in Canada just at the time. Were you in Canada? Were you in Canada at the no. time? Okay. Why weren't you in Canada? Um, I think I was busy being in America as like a child who didn't go places. Okay. You should have gone to Canada. I hear it's better than America. Uh, they have abortions there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting topical, even though this will be released like a month from now. And America will still not have abortions uh, by uh, then. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think anything's going to change by then. It'll still be topical. <laughs>
So next up is Dirty Sunshine, which might be my best track of the album. It's an SR71 song! Of course it's your favorite track of the record! It's true, this is just a straight-up grunge, alt-rock, generic track. This is just an SR71 song, I don't have any comment on it. You know how I feel about SR71. This is also... also it's, it's very long also, it's three minutes, it shouldn't be three minutes. This is not very long, this is one of the ones that actually has some meat to it, and it also I, has I them think, swearing. I think it's too long, I think it's too long. Do they swear on this one? I feel like shit now, but I don't mind, because it's that time again. Oh, okay, that's a swear, I guess. Shit is still a swear, no matter how Italian you are, or aren't. Look, <laughs> uh, no. I watch Italian and they say shit every two minutes at this point. I I'm desensitized. This is, uh, it's got some wobble bass in the background that's a distinct sound. It's the first thing that goes outside of that bubblegum pop space, and I like it. Sure, why not? I don't. <laughs> Adam, you're the tiebreaker here. Well, sadly, I'm going to have to be a centerist. I think it is very middle of the road. It's okay. And Adam, uh, filibuster does again. <laughs> it's not getting played at my funeral, but I think it's one of the strongest tracks on this record. It's not my favorite on the record. Are you not going to play it at your funeral for the shit post, Fibble? No, because I have much better shitpost albums that I could play, like Puncole. <laughs> oh my god. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. Have you listened to any of that yet? I have not. I'm, I'm keeping it a surprise. Oh, I'm so excited for that episode. I am so excited. It's going to be amazing. It's gonna be horrible. I cannot wait for you to hear the Iggy Pop cover. I, like, I cannot contain my excitement. Little squeaky girl screaming lust for life. I'm never gonna be what you wanna see. Always gotta gotta be me and free. Right or wrong, here we go. Well, I've heard it all before, and I'm tired of the lies. I've tried, I will compromise. You're a thousand miles away, draining on. Track 5 is Sick, which is also in that grungy, bad alt-rock space. And um, this is where I started going, hey, maybe this would have been the kind of album I bought for five bucks at the warehouse back in the day. My one note on this is, this is very generic and I can't feel anything anymore. Well, that's because you're sick. Am I? Like sick and very good, I assume? Sick, sick is like the sick. name of the track, like that's sick. the joke. Like sick? Sick. Like in a, in a in a cool way, sure. sure. Or you could. Why not? Let's go to invisible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess we know where someone's favorite tracks are. All right, invisible, the one that has actual sentences in it. Yeah, for it. 
<laughs> it's an R&B song for no reason. So I thought it had some R&B elements, but as it went on, I started going, this is like zero sevens in the waiting line. Sure, I would say that this is sort of an R&B track. I put it more in trip-hop territory, but that works too. Fair enough. But no, this is sort of an R&B track with like a chorus that is not that really, again, goes into that generic pop direction. Eh, it's got a good piano on it. The R&B bits are sort of pleasant. The vocalist is competent, I'm gonna say that. Mm-hmm. They're not bad at their job. Um, invisible. You could instead be listening to Going Invisible by the Mountain Goats. Or In the Waiting Line by Zero Seven. I, I, I'm, also, I'm also recommending Going Invisible by the Mountain Goats because it's a, it's a very trans song. It talks about looking in the mirror and smashing it up, you know? Those experiences we all had. Hmm. Wait, that was a trans thing? I thought that was a psychosis thing. Ah, uh, the same thing, same thing. Um... I did most of my smashing before I transitioned. Well, yeah, that's the point. Once you transition, you don't have to smash the mirror again. Oh. Well, when I'll I rose from a heavy sleep, I was stepping lightly, and I put on my gray suit and my matching fedora, ready to face the world, fairly nearly ready, came down to the hallway, looked in the mirror, I'm gonna break something, I'm gonna break something today, and sweep all of the pieces away. If that's not a trans mood, I don't know what is. And I stood before the mirror then, like I was waiting for a phone call, squinting like a lost traveler in a thick fog, but nothing clear came into view, except you, just off in the distant horizon, something hidden in your hand. I'm gonna break something, I'm gonna break something today, and sweep all of the pieces away. Can the rest of this podcast just be me reading Mountain Goose lyrics? It, it'll have to be a different podcast. <laughs> I do actually want to focus on uh, Invisible by Lilix for one moment, because this okay. is a track that feels like it's trying to be a message song and or a cry for attention, because it's talking about, you know, I don't want to be gone. I don't want to be when I'm around. What do you want to see? Someone that isn't me. I don't want to be invisible. Given that, given talking about how you're, you never listened, told us to mind our business, lies tried to ride your feelings, words hide behind their meanings. The whole thing goes in a way that's... I wish to tell you about a very terrible thing that has happened and you will not pay attention to me without details. In a way that reads very dark in the wake of the actual production of this album. Yeah, I mean, they, you know... Most of the thing were, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It it is an interesting bit. Again, this middle section of the album is the most where I'm on board with this. I'm also stalling because up next is twenty four seven. WWE 24-7 division. 
That, that's the one joke I have on this track. Adam, talk to us about 24-7. Um, well, it's okay, like most of this album. Seba, anything, anything to say about 24-7? This is possibly my worst track of this album. This track felt like nothing to me, so I have nothing to say about it. It, it, it wasn't remarkable in any way. It's 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 tepid water. <laughs> it's four minutes long. Every other line is just twenty four seven and a couple of words, repeating over and over and over. The chorus is so grindy it's like being under the gears of a clock tower listening to this because it's so lock step repetitive and unchanging there there sybil it can't hurt you anymore terrible it's over now it it is the worst most bland soft rock imaginable dragged out twice as long as it needs to be Shall we go to Because? Please. It has guitars! Yeah, we're back to the pop-punk uh, punk era. I was definitely happy to get back into the pop-punk. Yep. Comfort zone. It has a, neat, has a neat little bit of falsetto in the chorus, which is the only thing that stands out to me. Otherwise, it sounds like, you know, the generic rock music that you would hear in, like, a TV show, where they're at a club or something, and there's a generic band playing. No, no, no. No, no, no. I have a more damning version of that for you. Okay, okay, okay. In older television shows, they would license music to use, and then when they put them on DVD or now streaming, they wouldn't have the rights to those tracks because they were only for broadcast. So they would fill in a generic track from the studio's archives. This is one of those generic tracks. This is what's going to play over an episode of Beverly Hills 90210 if you watch it on streaming. Okay, okay, okay. That works. It's pop punk again. Thumbs up. <laughs> I mean, again, it's not even horrible. It's just like sort of nothing. No, it's, it's incredibly like bland. This is a porridge mm-hmm. album. See, yeah. that's the thing is that the next album I did actually like quite a bit. So going backwards, it's just kind of like. Well, I mean, it's not bad, but, um... The album after hmm. this has a couple of really bad songs, I think, but overall it's more interesting and more fun and better musically. There are a couple of songs on their album that are like, wow, this is bad, but <laughs> most of the other stuff is actually, like, okay and pretty fun. Seems 
what I wanted to be. Then I tried to hide. And then we go to the ballad. Does anyone want to talk about the ballad? I need one minute. Someone talked about the ballad for one minute. It's called Promise. I, mean, I need one minute know, of speaking. It's it's ballads. It's a 90s it's, pop ballad. Okay, so it's a th- I've got one for you. Go ahead. This Simple. is Na- um, a minute. You need to talk about this for a minute. For Shall one me? thing, this is the part where the person who's transcribing all of this on Genius just stops caring. Which is why it starts putting lines like, yeah, e, yeah, e, yeah, with the letter <laughs> e just there. Or the line, when everything is blear. Someone just didn't care enough to run this through a single spell check anything. It's like, nope, nope, we're going to start double spacing. We're going to start just randomly writing things down. I'm not checking my homework. I'm not looking at the liner notes. We just need to get this done like this is my homework. This is a teenage girl who, I can actually check the history, put this in six years ago, did one thing, nobody has ever touched it since. That's this track. Well, somebody thought about this once and decided, oh, I can fix that up, but not like I need to rebuild this and give it respect. Just like, I can fix a void. And they hucked this track into the hole. Well, that was one minute, so we can go to... We're speedrunning the fuck out of this. Um, we can go to uh, Fork in the Road. to investigate 311 because that's the length of this track. <laughs> it's 310 on YouTube, sadly. Oh, my copy had it at 311, which just made me think about Eric Andre waterboarding the band. Sure. It has a neat scent, uh, a very Hannah Montana guitar, when it goes da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Is that what it was reminding me of? I think so. I just thought it sounded identical to an earlier track on the record. I mean, that too, but it's also very... It also just reminds me of the Hannah Montana theme. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It just got Green Day stuck in my head. I'm gonna... I'm gonna tell you a story. I have never seen a minute of Hannah Montana, but on a now-closed torrent site, Hannah Montana gave me most of my ratio because I downloaded the Hannah Montana game for 360 and kept seeding it for five years, and people just kept grabbing that game to the point that it allowed me to pick up anything else I ever wanted based off that one torrent, and I don't want to know why people continuously wanted the Hannah Montana, the movie, the game for the 360, but they did, and good on you, you weird feet perverts. What? 
I wasn't expecting that ending, but there is a very simple story. You're welcome. I, I, I would like to believe that it's not about weird shit, and they just wanted it for, like, you know, their kids and shit. I, 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 I like to believe in humanity still. And uh, I... According to Metacritic, it has a 25 score from critics and a 4.0 from users based on 50 ratings, so I don't think it was because they wanted it for their children. I mean, Sybil, are you aware that children don't care about Metacritic score? <laughs> I'm just saying that all of the reviews are ones or twos, but there's a bunch of 10 irony reviews dragging it up. Like, fantastic game. This is the example that all movie games should follow. The long development time shows in this stunning piece of art. This truly is the greatest game since Orcarina of Time. That's hilarious. But here's the thing about children. If they want a Hannah Montana video game... It doesn't matter if it's the worst video game on the planet. You're going to have to fucking get that video game, or otherwise you will know no peace. <laughs> Let's go. We're almost done. We're two tracks about to be done. Uh, and We're we one are track. Very much. No, there's, there's two tracks. The last the, one the doesn't cover. count. It's a cover. Well, let's do this. We have to do it anyway. I'm lost and confused by this, this discourse. Let's do the track. It's the one I like. This one is good. Okay, then you need to defend this to me because I have this down as simply just below okay. Uh, okay, maybe good is an exaggeration. This is the one track that sounds like it has been written by a human being. It has way stripped down production. It sort of sounds like an Alanis Morissette track. Uh, I like the, the vocalist. The vocalist again is very competent. Uh, good, good verse. Good verse, just good guitar, good energy. Uh, good hustle, Lilix. You've got it. Good, you left everything out there on the field. Good job. Yeah, it's fine. This is this is a, this is a song which is more than I can say about everything else. It has some of that Alice in Morissette rage. It has some good vocals. Um, but there's like energy at least. There's like a driving, you know, <clears throat> there's a driving oomph. Um, the bridge sort of sucks, but you know what you're gonna do. Most of the bridge on this record sucks. There were 15. Writing a good bridge actually takes a lot of, like, expertise. So I'm not gonna fault them from writing very boring and obvious bridges. So, all I'm gonna say about the 15th thing is, and the rage thing, when's the last time you listened to Jagged Little Pill, Ellie? That's Alanis Morissette's breakout album. That's the one where she started calling out the guy from Full House on being a shitty lay who left her for another woman. That's... One hand in my pocket. That There's a lot of actual screaming rage and pain on that album. I don't know if voices ever go above a sort of keening on this. I, again, I'm not saying this is great. I'm just saying this is the song that I enjoyed the most because it's more stripped down. It's guitar driven. 
it actually feels like there's more of a drive to the song. Would I listen to it again at any point? Probably not, but after all of the bullshit on this record, after all of like the really mediocre thing, the really oatmeal stuff, this stands out a bit in the middle of everything. All right. It's definitely better than the next song. Fair enough. Adam, anything on Lost and Confused? I think it's a pretty nice song. Um, I mean, it's not amazing, but it, it's definitely listenable, which is more than I can say for a lot of things we've covered. That's fair. I think we can just let you go off on the next track, Sebon, because it's bad. It's a bad cover. You got it. Go. The Romantics' What I Like About You is an incredibly bad, bland song that feels like a transplant out of the 60s in the first place, and Lilix's cover is what happens if you defang what's already a fucking barbershop quartet track with a bad synth breakdown in the middle, because everything on this album is the most basic, as in basic bitch, styling you can imagine, and this is that Taken to Eleven, which is, of course, why this was the most successful song off the record by a mile commercially, to the point of being used in multiple Hollywood projects, because it feels like the kind of thing that's not going to offend a parent, worry a weird Christian mother, or do anything to attract the attention of anyone but a 50-something record executive who goes, yeah, you know what? I like the sound on these chicas. <laughs> I like that you had uh, concerned parents, like, and Christian mothers in separate categories because they're not parents. <laughs> okay. A concerned Christian mother <laughs> is on a whole different scale. I get what you mean. I want you to know that just yesterday... I was recording a show about a JRPG where someone said that their mother walked downstairs and saw the single time in FF7 that a character said shit uncensored and immediately took the game away from them. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about when I talk about concerned Christian mothers. That's what I want to point out. I know, I'm just drazzing you. Um... Anyhow, in the video for this thing, they swap body instead of swapping mind. I, I, I do not fuck with this uh, inconsistence with, uh, you know, with the conceit of the movie. Here, let's be real. Let's have a much more interesting discussion. Body swap content. Good, bad, what are your takes? <laughs> Mostly don't care about it? I am hype as hell for it. Give me a body swap episode of anything. That shit's great comedy. I mean, your name was, your name was good, but it wasn't even the best uh, Shinkai movie, so, you know. Oh, no, I was, I'm talking about things like watching a recent Koro Sensei Quest episode where everyone gets swapped around with random villains and or the big bad of the series. My current writing project involves uh, a body swap. Hell yeah. During a time loop, because it's fun. Hell yeah. Um, 
So I, you asked that and I was just like, <laughs> well, obviously I'm a fan. Give me that shit. See, time loops, time loops now. That is, that is good shit. Give me any time loop episode of a series. All right, I'll let you know when I'm uh, posting it for public viewing then. Yeah, please do. Sold. I'll finally have something to plug. <laughs> but um, no, I actually loved this. <laughs> because it's cheesy and stupid and dumb, but also just like kind of fun. It has the vibes of teenage girls who actually know how to sing wanting to do karaoke together of a song that they like. Fair enough, yeah. And I think that sparks joy. Sure. Is it good, like, as a song? Maybe not. But it's fun. Thoughts on the Freaky Friday uh, 2000 remake? Everyone. It was perfectly okay. Uh, it's not the best version of that story, but it's also a live-action Disney remake that had a good cast and good acting in it instead of just being Pablum. It's not Devo 2.0. Anna, have you seen it? I never saw it or was cognizant of it. You don't watch movies, fair enough. Came down the hallway Looked in the mirror I'm gonna break Something I'm gonna break something today. And sweep all the pieces away. Okay, can we end this? Uh, final thoughts. It's exactly the record that you would expect it to be. It's not bad, it's not good. For its, for its target audience, it's fine. Um, the production is sort of bad throughout, though. You know what it is? It's like a decent bowl of oatmeal. Like, for oatmeal, pretty good. But it's still oatmeal, and it's not going to be my first choice of breakfast, like, ever. <laughs> I mean, still better than being the oatmeal the comic, to be fair, so you know. This is basically like that old saying... Buy a man, eat fish, he day. Teach fish man to a lifetime. <laughs> did, did you just have that off the top of your head? Yeah. <laughs> you don't? <sighs> you amaze me. Can you tell us what happened to Lelex after this record? So, in 2006, the band with new drummer Alicia Taylor releases their sophomore record, Inside the Hollow, which makes me think of a perfect circle for a moment, but uh, probably not to that scale. The first single released from the album was Sweet Temptation, Hollow, 
with a music video premiering on Here's a Blast from the Past, Yahoo's LaunchCast surface on the 5th of July, 2006. <laughs> it was shown as one of the episodes of MTV's Making the Video, back when you would actually do a whole 30-minute behind-the-scenes on how music videos were put together. The album was made available for listening online via, again, Canadians, MuchMusic.com, and several songs are available on the band's official MySpace site. Or were, they probably aren't to this day. Fair enough. It's not nearly as successful as their debut record, but it is better music, according to my co-host, who wrote that it has mm -hmm. a bit of a harder edge, and the cover art is a reminder of the TV show Charmed. The single but is that, terrible and you, should you, be you listened can, to. You can figure out which co-host wrote this by the Charmed. <laughs> I love terrible TV shows. I have nothing against Charmed. It's really bad. I watched all of Supernatural. Charmed is way worse than Supernatural. I watched it all, but it's oh, way worse than Supernatural. Wait, I think that's the show that my ex-girlfriend was really into. Was it the original one or the recent reboot? I don't know. The, the, the old one. I'm talking about the old one. The old one is fucking terrible. Great fun. It's, it's fucking terrible, but it's in a it's in that syndicated TV style of way where it's like you're not showing up for anything excellent. You're showing up to go what could catch on fire in this dumpster this week. Mm-hmm. 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 That's quite fun. Uh yeah, Sweet Temptation, the single, is horrible. Uh the rest of the record is okay. It's fun. It has a harder edge and it's generally better music than this. So more importantly, by the time the album was ready for release, the band was already quite aware the label was folding. The first big firings at Maverick Records started happening in 2005 in the middle of recording sessions for Inside the Hollow, and by early 2007, the checks from the label had stopped coming, and all of their CDs and merch were returned to them. Most of the major artists signed with Maverick were picked up by Warner Brothers, and Lilix was not. The band, a bunch of children who lived all their teen years and early adulthood in the music industry, who had never had real jobs before, at this point declare themselves on hiatus. Burns and Warrington leave the project forever, Burns going on to a mildly successful solo career as a singer-songwriter, told her stuff is okay, mm -hmm. uh, okay. producer and music instructor, while Warrington bounces from band to band for a bit and is, again possibly currently a lead ring announcer at WWE. In 2009, Lacey Lee and Tasha Ray move back to Canada and decide to revive the band with new member Britt Black, a Canadian musician who, according to Wikipedia, her biggest achievement is having a track in the video game Scarface, The World Is Yours, being the only thing noted on her page. Wasn't a horrible idea, that game? Wasn't that really bad idea? Remember? I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. It was a game based on the, <laughs> the movie Scarface, um, ah. which whole point of that movie is that the gangster protagonist is like a miserable individual, and it's a really bad person, and they decided to make a GTA clone out of it, where you just have fun shooting people. No, no, no. No, no, no. You are underselling the scale of this idea. If you are unaware, Scarface ends with everyone around him turning on him and murdering him because he's become such a coked up fuck up who's bringing problems down on everyone and then the world is yours says 
Okay, but you know when he was bleeding out and full of bullet holes in that fountain at the end of the movie? He survived, and now he's clawing his way back up from the bottom. I see. That doesn't sound very good. That's the favorite part, is that it's explicitly a sequel. It's explicitly a terrible idea that doesn't understand the movie at all. <laughs> Just like everyone in the 2000s who was buying Scarface posters. That's why they subtitled it, The World is Yours, like the number one poster. So, in 2010, the new and improved Lilix publishes Tiger Lily, a not-awful synth-pop record. Because it's, you know, everyone trying to do a pivot in this era does something with synth-pop. Remember when Kelly Osbourne did a DJ slash health track? Yeah, that's exactly the same thing. Uh, I'm just quoting from Ellie's notes here. That's my notes. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I, I don't want to be too mean to it because there's really nothing wrong. It's a completely competent record. But it was the 2000 and we were on the cusp of uh, synth pop being everywhere. So I'm not particularly excited by it. Remember when Taylor Swift did a record that was a specific ripoff of Churches? That was like 2004 or 5, 2014 or 15. Um, so yeah, it's not a bad record, but also like, it's really difficult to get excited about a synth-pop record in the 2010s because they were everywhere. The album gets decent press and a bit of airplay, but does not really go anywhere. Today, Lilix seems like a dead project... Brit Black will leave the band before their 2010 record even released, and is currently a hairstylist at Clear Hair Studio in Vancouver, who also works as a hairstylist in the film industry, given how many things are filmed out of Vancouver pretending to be Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of us could dig up any information on what Lacey Lee and Tasha Ray's day jobs are now, but they do occasionally post on the verified Lilix Twitter account to reply to fans and retweet things. It's only got about 2k followers, but that's more than any of us have, so hey, good on them. And you know what? None of this music is really, like, rediscoverable as hidden gems that are going to be standing the test of time, but they went through a lot, and good on you. We, we hope you make a 2024 record. We'll absolutely review it, because you know what? You've got enough intriguing concepts here that maybe it'll hit next time. Yeah, I'm. I, I do not. I do not enjoy this music, but also like God, this girls went through a lot. Well, woman now went through a lot, so you know. We don't enjoy this first album. The later stuff is a little better. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, also technically, none of us are in the target audience for this music. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's an interesting story. It's um very much a you know music industry horror story and. Uh, I don't know. I went through. I went into a hole of researching this today, and so we, we talked about it. Linux, they existed. They survived. Uh, they had a trait. Uh, they acted Ricky Gervais in one of their tweets, but it was in two thousand and fifteen. It was about animal rights, so you know you're forgiven for that. everyone for listening to us you can support us by uh, using code uh, gotta get out of this town at uh, whatever the underwear thing everyone everyone does <laughs> is, is that still me, a undies? Thing? So this, me undies me undies hasn't been a bit for a while 
Okay. Also, MeUndies uh, is cancelled because they started doing a J.K. Rowling collection in fucking 2017. Uh, does it enforce the type of junk you have to have regarding on the type of underwear you wear? Uh, let me just say that MeUndies definitely feel like they're judging me for my sack. Uh, what, what are we doing then? The, the mattresses? Those are almost like out of like those are almost bankrupt, aren't they? The mattresses company. Uh, Casper, yeah, Casper went bankrupt. If you want us, okay, here's the problem. If you want us to actually use a modern sponsor, it's gonna have to be a loot box company or Blue Chew dick pills. Uh, Square is Squarespace still a thing? I literally use Squarespace for my portfolio. <laughs> Squarespace is still a thing, but they're not paying anyone anymore for podcasts because they have commercials on television. Okay, cool. Uh, what, else, what else is there? What else? Um, there's the, the, the podcast that I listen still do ads, those ads for uh, BetterHelp, which is a fucking scam. So, you know. Yes, BetterHelp is terrible and never trust them. They have no ethical considerations and do not actually employ legal doctors in many cases. Don't. Don't better help, yeah, I, I agree. Don't better help. Uh, there's NFTs, there's always the NFT thing. Um, yeah, let's do dick pills. Sable, throw me an ad for dick pills. Those are fine. <laughs> Absolutely. We do not have a Patreon, but if you'd like to subscribe, if you'd like to support us, feel free to just go to Blue Choose and use offer code GGOOTT because you too can get something that will prevent ED from destroying your relationships. You need your dick to work? Get Blue Chew. Don't we don't actually have a sponsor, but thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.